This podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Hello, everyone, and for the 200th time, 200, welcome to the Stargazing Podcast, your number one source for information on the best team, frankly, the only team that matters in all of all of the NHL and sports in the world, in the universe, I would say. And what better way to celebrate 200 than with, with my buddy Mark. Mark, how's it going? It's going great. I would consider this to be the flagship podcast of DVD. It, it is really there of all of the DVD podcasts. This one is, is the best. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And who better to host than you? I, I'm better glad to, to have you back. Steve, That's... Steven and I had a great conversation without you, but we missed you. <laughs> Not too great. No, it was, I, I had a chance to listen. <laughs> I, I always, I geek out. I, I know you guys talked about it. I geek out on the minor league stuff. It's, you know, I, I remember watching Jamie Ben in the Calder cup playoffs and thinking this guy is, is going to be a thing. And a thousand games later, a thousand and climbing here, here we are. So uh, it's, it's man, stars fandom. It's been a ride. It's It's been great. And it's so great that game 1001, he pulls off the old Jamie Ben Deacon and just slide it in. No need to elevate when you're Jamie Ben. Yeah. Slick. Just yep. slick. And then by the end of that game, everybody on the Minnesota wild hated him. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and And who better to have hate you than a Minnesota wild guy? I, I was thinking about that. There's the there's for whatever reason, I get just undue satisfaction. There's there's just three teams that I want to to beat. I mean, I want to beat every team every time, but I get particular thrill out of you know the old Eddie's better, Eddie's better in me, right? Colorado Avalanche beating the Avs is always fun. Beating the Predators, um, I went to school in Memphis, so I saw plenty of away games there. So beating the Predators has a special place in my heart, uh, and then and then beating the beating the Wild is just it's, it's a gas. It's, it's a good time. Yeah, and, and you know what? I, I don't even really consider the Wild to be a, a quote-unquote rival. I kind of get the you know, St. Louis, Nashville. If you're really old school, you can go Detroit. Minnesota isn't really a rival. You just kind of grind it in their face and beat them all the time. That's, yeah, it's, that's, it's, and they, it's like your some, little brother. Yeah, I was about to say, right, because I, I don't think that there's quite enough success on the Minnesota side, like for a true rivalry, you have to have some given like Dallas and Colorado, right? They've gone back and forth. Dallas is, you know, they beat them twice in the conference finals. Dallas eliminated, you know, when it was the Arnett, Garen, Terjean, Madano stars, that the team like really looked like it had a chance. Colorado knocked them off. So it's got to go both ways. And Minnesota just hasn't, they haven't won enough against the stars to be a rival. It's, it's little brother, big brother, yeah, little, brother. little brother, little brother. Yeah, that's fine. It's like, you know, we're glad they show up. It's good to pick on somebody every once in a while. And yeah, they, they squawk here and there. And yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, your mom makes you have them there to hang out with, but you really don't enjoy it. You want to hang out with your friends instead. Yeah, you definitely want to hang out, but it was a good, you know, we'll start there, right? It was a, it was a great win. It's, it's now, um, you know, they're, they're back from the bye week They were, I would say pretty dominant early against Anaheim. They got, they got pretty thoroughly goalied, but managed to, to get the shootout win and then just didn't, didn't let anything get in their way against the wild. It's been a, a pretty good two game stretch, I would say. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly against the ducks. They, you know, 
they they you know not scoring on five on three is just the the death knell and i've yeah. seen them do it against the ducks before and and at least they got the win out of it but you know that that game they should have just blown the doors off of them and gibson had a great game so yeah so good on him and, and I, I guess in one way you can look at it and say hey at least the stars won in overtime and that's something to brag about a little bit maybe we figured something out you know you take a penalty you uh, you run some time off the clock, and then once you make it to the shootout, you have Pavelski, you got Robertson, you got Sagan. These these are high quality shootout guys, and you can get the extra point that way. So I had I had a thought, and this occurred over the break, and I I'm, it's still one of those like half formed. It, it may be a hot take, it may be meaningful, but I wanted to run it by you when we did the podcast because I was thinking about why Dallas fails three on three, and I was thinking about. Three on, the nature of three-on-three three hockey, right? It, it prizes speed, athleticism. You know, it's the guys that can really pick them up and put them down. And when you look at the the skilled players on the Dallas roster, there's outside of of Hints, right, and and Haskin, I'd say, Dallas's skilled players are much more in the vein of, you know, smart, nowhere to be, right? It's it's you know Joe Pavelski, right? Not a not a he's an elite player, right? But it's not because he's at, it's not because of his athleticism, his raw athleticism, right? Same thing at this point, you know, Jamie Ben, Tyler said there's, they, they don't have that real, like three guys that will skate, you know, blow your doors off lineup. And I think that that puts them at a little bit of a disadvantage in three on three against teams that maybe, you know, they're, they're not as good necessarily, you know, as, you know, Roberts and Pavelski, right. And the like, but with, in the peculiar environment of three on three hockey, they are there. There is an athleticism advantage that I think sometimes the stars don't enjoy. Well, and I, I think athleticism is maybe one way that you can look at it. The other way that you can look at it is, is, is more of a grind out. You know, what you want to do is create mismatches and create odd man situations. And in order to do that, when you don't have the foot speed, which is kind of where Dallas is right now, mm-hmm. what you do is you just work the puck and you work the puck and you work the puck. You always have two guys back. And so you force the other team to get a little tired, maybe take some risks and and just keep the puck in your offensive zone. And what the Stars end up doing from what I've seen this year is they they're the ones who end up taking the chance and they get a what what I would consider to be a, a an okay shot but not a great shot but then they get under the puck and then they get odd man rushes going the other way and all of a sudden it's in the net and it's over yeah and and, and so the stars lose their patience with it and they don't have the speed to recover from it yeah i think that's a great and, and you're right contrasting to 5 on 5 play in regulation if they take that shot, if they miss that shot, their defensive coverage, right? They've got more bodies and that's where the system kind of kicks in. And instead of being a, you know, just by default, right? Instead of being a two on one or a three on one or a two on O going the other direction, it's two on two or it's a three on two. It's, it's something much less threatening. Whereas the nature of three on three overtime, pretty much as soon as there's a turnover, somebody probably has a scoring chance. Right. And, and so the stars, if and here again, I'll go back to the fact the stars have great shoot up guys. And so they don't need to win this thing in, in the three on three. What they need to do is to take calculated risks 
yeah. in three on three, but otherwise they should probably be playing a lot more conservative. I mean, and, and I think you were you were joking in the pre-call about let's let's trot out the old what was what was the lineup you threw? I, I, I think I had Foxa, Foxa, Glendening, and Suter. I think uh, <laughs> although you could may, maybe throw Hawk and Paw in there. <laughs> I uh, I don't even know how do I how do you respond to that? That's I mean I guess if it worked I'd be happy, but man, can you just imagine? people the number of people would be hitting their new twitter limits if if uh, <laughs> pete DeBoer threw that trio out to start an overtime session yeah it's, it's, it's bad enough it. that they're it's creative but it's interesting enough that they've started running the okay radic win the face off and then get off the ice but but you know that's that's a reasonable strategy that okay. other teams use and and it was kind of nice to see pete DeBoer coming back from the all-star break and saying you know i i saw some success here with people putting three forwards over the boards. And so maybe that's worth a try because certainly what we were doing before wasn't working. And so, you know, changing something that isn't working at least has the possibility of being better. And, and there's not a whole lot further worse that it could be. I think you're right. I mean, what's, what's the, uh, the definition of insanity, right? It's doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. So I, I think, you know, why not change? You run, you run the risk of nothing, right? You're already losing all the time. Why not try something different? And as well, to segue, adopting that and, and getting a little bit more creative with the personnel on the ice, getting Radic out there. He's a goal scorer now, Mark. He got <laughs> he potted number seven last night. He's tied with uh he's tied with with Miro in, in terms of the goal. And, and Yanni Hockenpah, right? And Yanni, yeah, Hockenpah as well, but but all of a sudden, Radic is tied with Ty Delandria. He's tied with Miro Haskin. He's just a single goal behind Mason Mark. Sorry, he's two. He's two goals behind Mason Marchment. Mace the ace. So you know he's he's creeping up that scoring list. Well, and the the you know somewhat seriously here it was kind of nice to see Fox get it with his wheels as opposed to just mopping up the gravy, right? Yeah. That was a and and it, he was involved in the it was all three players it was it was reminiscent of the first line right it was um a nice touch pass I think it was Marchment coming out of the defensive zone put the puck on Fox's stick he made a nice pass to Sagan in full stride let him keep going and then Sags just that's you, you want to talk about you know skill and you want to talk about vision and patience and all that the way that. The way that Sagan outweighed it, admittedly, and I think everyone from Saad to the broadcast crew ripped on the the way the Wild defender played that, and it was true, it was brutally just laid down. But Sagan just waited until he had, uh, you know, he had Broadway access to Foxa, and it was just a pretty play. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. I think maybe one of the things I'm somewhat concerned about is that you see these results coming coming with Sagan, Foxa, and Marchment, and you know, I, I've been following these line changes for the last couple last couple games, and yeah, they, they they're kind of getting on the board, but they they're getting outshot. They are getting outchanced, yeah. and and I know there's a there's a segment that's been really ripping on having that line set up with Fox in the middle, and and if you if you start looking at the at the microstats associated with it, they're pretty much right. I, I don't think this is really the solution, even though we've seen some results so far. Yeah, it's 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 you know, the I think it is Tyler Sagan, give him all of the credit in the world. He has found a way despite the injuries, despite, you know, having to, to relearn to walk again, right? He he is still an effective, creative, offensive player. And I think he is better than, he he's not a, 
he is better than he gets credit for defensively, in my opinion. I, I don't think he is a problem there. He's got some limitations, but who doesn't it, you know, get, get that many miles, that many injuries and as a professional athlete. Right. So I think that, and, and then Marchment doing, although he's Marchman's been playing a lot with, um, with the bin crew, but all of those say, yeah, it's, it's, you, you can't be part of why I brought up Fox of the goal scorer. It's, it's the, the other players on that line are doing a lot of the heavy lifting and, you know, it's the, the traditional stars problem. They're, they're still one forward short in their, in their top, you know, top six. Well, and, and I, you, know, you can argue I know Marchment at least started to show up here in February on the score sheet a little bit, but he hasn't put one past a goaltender in two months. Yeah. So there there are potential problems sitting there. And yeah, you can say, well, he's hit some pipes and he's had some quality chances, but he's been also part of a line that is not you know expected goal positive. And yeah. and if we're talking about a stars team that you're going to consider as as a team that has a chance to make a run in the Stanley Cup final, you uh, you need a third line that's going to give you more than they're getting right now. Yeah, and I think they mentioned this during the broadcast last night. His and, and we talked about this during the last podcast. I did, and, and Mason Marchman's last goal, I I think was in December, and it was an empty netter. You have to go back. Basically, oh, it's December four. It's 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 the it's against Minnesota. Yeah, so you have to go back even farther to find a time when he beat a goalie. Yep, with the puck, and that's you know you can and, and it's it's sort of the anti foxer, right? Like you can talk all you want about he he does a lot of little things. You can absolutely make an argument that he is you know he is part of the reason that James, that we're having the Renaissance, right? Because they can rely on Mason Marchment to, to do a lot of the little things and, and drive the, you know, drive the line in a positive way and, and yada, yada, yada. But um, that only goes so far. And you're right. It's December 4th is the last time Mason Marchment put a puck past a goalie. And at some point it's great that he's doing all that other stuff, but he, he needs to do the big thing. Yeah, and, and especially when you start taking a look at what Jamie Benn did against Minnesota, where he got up in their grill, but he more got up in their head, and yeah. and he ended up he ended up getting them out of their game. And unfortunately, what I think we've seen with Marchment is that he's 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 starting to uh, he's starting to take some frustration penalties. Yeah. You know, and, and certainly uh, there there were a couple weak calls against Minnesota, I thought, but uh, that that call against Dumba, that is that that's a call that doesn't get made a lot. But when you've kind of got on your way to to get the referee's attention mm -hmm. up to that point in the game, that's the kind of penalty that gets called. Yeah, when you're petulant, right? It's 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 yep. the inverse of you know, good thing. It, it's the sort of luck tends to be right. The intersection of, of ability, opportunity and effort. Right. So w when you work hard, you tend to get bounces. That's the opposite. When you, when you cut corners, when you do, when you do silly things, even if they're not big, right. Eventually doing a little silly thing is going to get you in trouble too. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and so it, yes, there's a lot of pressure that's being taken on uh, taking off a of Ben with Marchment in, in that role. Um, but he, he probably needs to dial it back a little bit and, and not be the penalty machine that he's kind of turning into. Yeah. He, I mean, he's on this team to be an offensive option in the top six. He is on this team to generate offensively. 
And, you know, hopefully, right, even though he hasn't scored, he's got points in back-to-back games, right, an assist against Anaheim, an assist against Minnesota. And, and yes, the assist against Minnesota was technically a secondary assist, and you can talk a lot about whether or not, but there, there are different there are different kinds of assists and the, the play he made, you know, his, his part in the Fox goal last night is very much worthy of, you know, the point that he got. So, you know, hopefully he's, he's kind of turning a corner because, you know, the, the fact that Dallas needed another body in their top six was with Mason, Mason Marchment contributing. So if he's, if he's not going to be that guy, then all of a sudden they need, you know, more than just one. And that's, that's trouble. Right. And it's and, you know, there, there are there are a couple of guys out there who who have been getting the opportunities and what they really need is a is a lucky break. And and, you know, goals once once you get that little bit of confidence and you get that first one in the second one's not so bad. And I think Marchment's in that in, in that shape. You know, Gurianov's had a had a good run of games here as well, and he could use a break. Uh, he's certainly been creating opportunities. Um, there was. So, yeah. And, and yep. credit. Full credit to Saad on this one. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think Gurionov has been showing better since he rejoined the lineup most recently. Um, credit to Saad and the Athletic, and everybody should read it. He, there was a classic Gurionov shift last night that coming out of the defensive zone. I forget who he passed it to, but he was on the wild. And Gurionov made a terrible play in his own zone, um, but the Stars were able to recover. And then Gurionov made a fantastic play, beating his defenseman wide, cutting to the middle and getting a very good shot on net. So it was kind of the, it was a microcosm shift. It was the good and the bad all at once. Yep. And the thing I've noticed with Gurionov is that he's starting to play a little harder on his stick against the boards. Yeah. And and that was always a weakness of his, was he, he would be really soft and and, and his first touch was always always pretty questionable, and he's starting to dial that in a little little bit as well. And so these are the kind of signs that you know, a couple of years ago he got sent back to Cedar Park for a game or two, and he just lit it up, and he came back with uh, with, with a bit of swagger. Yeah. And these were the types of things that he fixed while he was down in Cedar Park and came back and was a much better player. And so uh, again, I'm, I'm I, I have haven't given up on Gurionov and he's starting to do the little things like that that uh, that will ultimately pay off I think. yeah I mean he had an ass- he also had an assist against Anaheim and it was a nice one and you know he got, he had 10 and a half minutes there which is up over what he was doing before the break uh played 12 minutes last night against Minnesota I I think and, and you know we've we've talked about this 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 isn't you know we've kind of progressed beyond whether or not Gurionov deserves or doesn't deserve a chance, right? Or whether or not he's been treated fairly or hasn't been treated fairly. Like that, that is kind of over and settled. But, but the reality is he has an opportunity because this team needs somebody that does what he's supposed to do. So regardless of his kind of history and baggage, there is a, a door that's at least a little bit open. And, you know, yes, it was, it was against um, Anaheim and Minnesota, but the guy that we've seen, you know, the the good version of Gurionov, in my opinion, could very quickly find himself moving from, you know, right now he's he's a fourth liner, right now he's playing, you know, a much more limited role. But if it, and not even perfect, so I don't think you'll ever, if you were gonna be able to iron out the warts, all of them, that would have already happened, right? But even if he's just more good Gurionov than bad Gurionov, that's a guy that could very quickly see his role expand with the Stars team. Yeah, and it's a role that I think is going to need to expand at something other than the fourth line. Yeah. Because if, if you kind of take a look at what's happened within the last month, um, Pete DeBoer started out the year rolling four lines, 
And the benches shortened quite a bit, I think. You used to have that fourth line getting 12, 13 minutes a game, and they're now in maybe the 10, 11 range. And and so I think DeBoer's starting to recognize that uh, that he has to ride uh, the top lines a little harder than he did at the beginning of the year because he's just not getting the production out of the fourth line that he needs. And, and, and that kind of goes on Evie Ranta. It goes on Glenn Denning. It goes on Gurianov. Uh, probably even Foxa to a degree, although he's gotten some opportunities up the lineup. Um, you know, you're going to have to show something different on that fourth line in somewhat limited minutes if you're going to get an opportunity out further up the lineup. Yeah, and and you know, which gets you back into you know this is where the player responsibility comes, right? He's got to be he's got to be good, Gurionov, and if he can do that, there's a spot. If he can't do that, then They've got to look for options, and they've they've got to look for Patrick Kane, who who may or may not be available <laughs> on their shopping list. Well, did, did you Ter- like that? Teres- Tarasenko apparently isn't on it on it anymore. So. Not anymore. That's Welcome to the Rangers, which is you know, that's all right by me. Just a quick aside. Uh, what what do you think of uh, of uh, Marion Stunich last night? I wanted him to score at the end. You know, we're talking about fourth liners and, and guys that can make, you know, I liked it for, and, and we will get to some trade talk, which is why I teased Kane, but I think you're right. Let's talk about student each first. I like that for a lot of reasons. The first is he's been playing great. You know, this is a guy that was with the NHL team for a portion of last season, right? And and he was an NHL kind of mainstay, right? By the end of the year, started the year in the AHL and has been producing, has been scoring, has been playing. You know, he's one of those guys, right? You send him down. He's, he's a, you know, not a, not an older player, but he's older. Uh, send him down, and he responds by, frankly, playing great and contributing offensively to what has become a very fun and very good Texas Stars squad. So from a personnel management perspective, right, that's that's the guy you want to reward, and that's that's the message you want to send to your roster, right? It's like, hey— if if we put you in a position, if we send you down, or if we demote you, if we do if we do things like that, there's a path back. You know, do, go down, do what we tell you, and you know, then we will you know find a find an opportunity for you. And they they proved it. So on a, on just a player management perspective, I think it's great. And then again on a on a makeup of the team, you know, we talked a little bit about why they struggled in three on three, and then look at student Nietzsche's chance at the very end of the Minnesota game. This is a roster that could use a guy that just has some some skating ability, right? This is a roster that, you know, could use that injection of pace. And so I, I'm just a huge fan of giving him a look right now for a lot of reasons and, and seeing what he brings. Yeah, and to tell you the truth, what he had five uh, five shots on goal. Uh, so he was he he had a lot of quality looks, which first game in, you know, he he's not shy. And yes. and I would I would say him him against Minnesota is probably gonna show his skills the least because that's gonna be a tight game. They're they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna suck the life out of a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And and student niche is, is much more of a of a chaos maker. And that's hard to do when when the other team's just clamping everything down. Um, I'm expecting, uh, and, and here, you know, he's he's been loaned back to Texas as of today, but everything I've seen is that that's more of a paper transaction, and I'm fully expecting him back up with uh, with, with Dallas for the Tampa Bay game. So I think tan- the Tampa Bay game will be a little more open, and we may see a little bit more from him. Yeah, I mean, based on how he played last night, I think there's there's certainly no reason 
that in a world in which contracts doesn't don't matter, right? Given how he played against Minnesota, eight minutes, four shots, 13 shifts, a couple of really good looks. There's no real reason to not trot him out there again. And, and you're right. We've talked before about the advantages of having a minor league, you know, your affiliate just down I-35, right? He, you're, he could, they could sit him down. He could play a game. He could get in his car and he could drive back up, right? It's not a, it's, it's not a big imposition to get a guy from Cedar Park up to Dallas and into the lineup. So I hope it's a paper transaction. In my opinion, he certainly did enough to deserve more of a chance um, based on how he played against the uh, the wild. So I, I'm I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful because I think he brings he brings something interesting and he brings something that this this author could or this lineup could potentially use. A message from the attorneys at Greening Law PC, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. If you have been hurt in a car accident, experienced malpractice from a physician, hospital, or were injured on the premises of a business, then call the lawyers at Greening Law. They have represented clients from car accidents to birth injuries to sexual assault cases involving clergy or hospitals. The staff at Greening Law, better known as the Green Team, fights your legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. You know, we talk a lot on this podcast about our fierce Dallas stars. The Green Team is your fierce legal competitor against insurance companies. So what are you waiting for? Consultations are free. They only get paid if you get compensated. So give them a call at 972-934-8900. Again, that number is 972-934-8900. Call now. Principal office is located in Dallas, Texas. So now, uh, what, what do you want to talk about the defense a little bit? <laughs> I was I was actually going to talk a little bit since we're talking about the forwards and we're, we're talking about how they get better. I think it would be, you know, I, one, I got to vent some snark, but I, I do think it would be we would be missing out on the fun if we didn't talk a little bit about supposedly there is a five, there's rumors circulating that, that Patrick Kane is considering five teams and Dallas is on that list. So I just, I wanted to get your knee jerk reaction to Patrick Kane as a Dallas star. Oh, let's see. I don't know if I have enough good scotch to deal with that. <laughs> I was going to say that's much less profane of a reaction as I expected. <laughs> um, I just don't see where he makes a difference. And in order to get that done, they're going to have to jump through some hoops that, uh, that they don't need to jump through. Oh, I'm a, I'm a serious big thumbs down. No, yet, uh, not, a whatever else terms we can come up with here. Yeah. I mean, unless, unless you're laundering him through like four or five other teams to get that cap hit down, it's, he makes 10 and a half million against the cap. And has been, it's it's one of those, and it's been, you know, pick a, pick a, pick a hockey podcast and somebody is talking about, it's kind of an open secret that he's carrying some kind of hip complaint, hip issue, watch him skate. He's not the same guy. So like, I think it's a, hopefully we're not going to talk about this long. I just wanted to segue, but, uh, you know, hopefully Dallas's cap situation prevents them from doing something dumb and giving up legitimate assets for a guy that, you know, may not be like capital W washed in the long term, right? He may be able to heal up, but like for, for right now, this moment, I cannot imagine him stepping into the lineup and, and helping in a significant way. I just, I can't see it. Well, and the thing that always puzzles me is how many names you see out there of guys who are going to contribute on offense, who are just absolutely miserable on the defensive end and and how that's going to fit into the existing Dallas Stars structure and identity. And if you get if you bring in just just a hired gun that all he's going to do is shoot, that has the potential of of, of ruining chemistry as opposed to yeah yeah you and it's the line you walk right because on the one hand this group has 
it's undeniable. They're they're playing great. They're 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 winning tons of games. They're top of their their they're the top of their division right now. They're I think the sixth best if if you go by um, points percentage. They're the fifth best team in the league, tied with Tampa Bay. So there's there's clearly something going on. I I do think though there is some value in. It's almost like a, a show of support, right? When a team is playing well and when a team is is looking like it's it's competitive and has a chance to make noise in the postseason, sometimes I think you almost owe it to them as a sign of of support as many do something, right? But, but I mean, but if you're going to do something that like that, what you do is you look at somebody like Adam Henrique, who's going to give you a a full ice game, and and, and still has the opportunity to score. You aren't going to bring in somebody. Who, who could get on a heater, but is just going to absolutely collapse your defense. And if that's the thing is absolutely collapse. Like thinking about, you know, you're, you're not going to plug him into the top line. You're not, you're not messing with Robertson, Pavelski and hence for Patrick Kane. Right. So then you, you, who do you, who does he slot away from? So what is it? Is it, you know, Wyatt Johnston, Ben and Kane? Well, that's, that's a no, challenge. It, 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 the, the slot that's there is on the Sagan line. Which it's, we've already been talking about how that line doesn't necessarily have a defensive kind. You know, it's it's you're you're not solving the problem that line has. Well, yeah, I mean, you solved the problem. You've solved the problem by moving Foxa into that spot, and that's because you're trying to fix some defensive deficiencies, and and it's less than successful. And I don't see how you make that line better by having them chase the game going back. Yeah, if it, if it was peak Kane, right, then oh, sure. Yeah, fine. Because he'd yeah. be transcendent offensively, and, and your your defense would be the fact that he and Sagan would be, you know, zipping the puck back and forth and scoring a bunch of goals. And when the other team's fishing the puck out of their net, it's really hard for them to score on you. But again, he's not, he's not Patrick Kane at the moment. He hasn't been all season. And there's no real evidence to suggest that he's going to be. He needs help. Yeah, and and I mean, from my bottom line, it's like, why, why in the world would I want to help a Chicago rebuild? Yeah, burn it down. They, they, that that's an organization that needs to needs to sink a lot further before it hit hits rock bottom. No, I I don't want to be a part of it. Yeah, so good. Now and and also like I'm I'm also coming around looking at just engine, pivoting away from Kane and to a more general point. I I don't know. I don't know what I would. I, I think with this team. I might be, you may, this team may have sold me on, let's see if, you know, if they can cobble together options between, you know, Gurion of the minor league getting Marchment going again internally, basically. And not, I don't know that I would, I don't know that I want to see them expend any assets to go after the, the type of piece that would help them. Right. With, with the cap, with everything like, you know, there's there's with the exception, we joked about this with, um you know, we, we joked about this in the last podcast, some some trade candidates and, you know, would we get rid of uh, Stankoven or things like that? And unless it's one of those like fleecing a dumb other team to do something incredibly stupid. Right. And if it's that, then sure. But short of short of mugging somebody for a player, I, I don't think that this. I don't think that this year you really have the flexibilities or assets to upgrade the forward group in a way that would make it worth getting rid of the flexibility and the assets that you have, if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. And the only reason why you do something at the trade deadline is to kind of let the guys in the room know that, uh, that, that you're throwing a little bit extra into the can because you think they have the potential to do some great stuff. 
Yeah. And and, when, and so you're doing it for psychological reasons as much as on ice reasons. Now, that's the forwards, though. And you mentioned earlier wanting to talk about the defense. Does your answer change when we're talking about the blue line? I mean, the the, the only thing I would even consider is, is if you could get – Anaheim's going to have a tough time moving John Klingberg. You might be able to get him for pennies on the dollar. And oh, he does he that. does some things. He does some things for Dallas that he probably wouldn't be able to do for some other – Question, because I, I had that that thought when he, he had a chance, a, a real slithering chance against the Stars – and kind of vintage Klingberg stuff, and, and I had the same thought. Here is here is my concern. Miro Haskinen is sitting at 40 points in 50 games, has really seemed to settle in on the power play, has really seemed to embrace being Dallas's primary facilitator on the blue line. I have never heard anything bad about John Klingberg's character. Never. I, I adore the player. Does bringing him back risk, like if you bring him back, does that change things with Miro? Like, do, does it does it kind of pull Miro back from some of the step forward he's taken this season? And also, how does it impact, you know, Lundqvist? How does it impact Miller? Like, there is, unfortunately, and, and from a cap perspective, you could figure it out, I'm sure, but, like, I, I am a little bit worried about fit and roster construction if you reintroduce specifically John. If, if he was John Klingman, and he'd played with Minnesota before this, in my opinion might be different, but with his particular background and relationship to the Dallas stars, do you risk messing things up, bringing him back in? Um, yeah, but I, I don't think any more so than you do with anybody else that you bring in. I mean, to tell you the truth, the, the, the group knows how he plays. They have certain, they, they understand his strengths. They understand his weaknesses. I think that if you uh, if you pair him back up with uh, with Essa Lindell, that's a comfortable pairing. Lindell knows how to cover for Klingberg's weaknesses. Klingberg knows how to cover for Lindell's weaknesses. The question is, it it, it would kind of force the team's hand on on making a tough decision on what they wanted to do with with, with their defenders. And I think the the logical choice would be that that Hanley would go back down to Texas. Probably not the correct decision but it's probably the decision that would get made they like having him though they like being able to kind of my the my little microwave guy they like being able to pull hanley into the lineup for a couple hours and see what happens just all i all i'll say about hanley is look at the number of games that he's played in the playoffs over the last couple of years yeah and and that you know his percentage of in the lineup versus out of the lineup is so much higher in the playoffs than it is during the regular season because they trust him He's he's the internet meme, right? Coaches love him. Yep. <laughs> Click here and find out why. Yep, yep. But anyway, I, I think that I think the point's taken. I, I think it, it's a psychological uh, thing where guys expect reinforcements at the trade deadline. Um, I, I think you could make an argument that uh, that Thomas Harley would be a nice reinforcement. That oh my god! From internally, don't even get me started. He should. Yeah, he should but be but again. There. Yeah, but but again, you're talking about tough decisions that need to be made with the with the NHL lineup. Yeah, and those decisions aren't going to be made unless they have to be made, and the only reason those are going to have to be made is if you if you have some kind of injury. Yeah, I mean, credit and, to the stars, right? They've they've yep. played well enough that you don't have to make those choices right now, and maybe it comes back to bite them later, but maybe it doesn't. Yeah, well, and I think I think we've probably seen with the with the limited action that we've seen of the guys coming up from from Cedar Park 
that there are a bunch of them who, who you know, they aren't going to knock their doors off, but they're going to be solid NHL players, and they they aren't going to make you regret that you brought them up and put them into roles. They just got to find a way to give Harley a look. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna bang that drum until they do it, and whether he succeeds or fails is on him. But he's they got to give him a look. I I fully agree. He's he's done everything that they've asked down in Cedar Park and more, yeah. and 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 he's an upgrade to some some areas. On, on the NHL roster, he brings things to the table that this team doesn't have. I I want to, and I know we, I want to pivot a little bit, Mark. I have I have um, a funny thing that I want to to add, to talk through, right? So I'm going to give you two statements, and I want you to let me know which of those statements is true. All right? Are, are, are they? Are is this a only one of the two is true? There's two statements. The Stars' last regulation loss was three weeks ago. The Stars have won only four of their last ten games. Uh, those are both true. <laughs> those are both true. It's, uh, <laughs> and if you if you count, I think they they three losses in a row in reg in overtime as well. So it's it's interesting, right? This is they're they've come out of the the break well, but they're not perfect. Hockey Viz has the uh, has has that chart that they sent out with uh, on, on a daily basis that shows you the. Uh, the last two weeks worth of playoff odds and up until the anaheim game it was for the stars it was a flat line at the top straight across one point a game or they were off not up not down fortunately winnipeg was going down and so the stars were looking great yeah i mean they've they've caught we talked i think the last time we podcasted people were catching up and and you still have to worry a little bit the avs look out are now seven two and one starting to get healthy and and that's a team you're looking at if you're Dallas is like well they I mean they're they're way back at this they're 12 points back they've got you know got some games in hand they've played 49 Dallas played 53 so okay there's there's some room there but you know beyond that the Jets are five and five Wilder five and five just got beat Predators are five no nobody else in the central division you know right now it's pretty much Colorado and Dallas are are the only ones that are playing particularly great at the moment so they look pretty pretty good shape and you know especially and then pacific's even worse so dallas is is we are at the stage when we should be as a team you know we should be as fans watching the team prepare itself for the postseason which is crazy to be talking about in february with with some of the recent years the team has had to slog through yeah, and the the only concern I have there is that you know I, I I think the stars if they end up playing Minnesota in the first round of the playoffs is is going to be uh, they they can win that series but it's going to be a rough series and and I I hate going into series where you know it's going to be physically demanding. There's that, and I hate you know we've we've talked about it before playoffs are very different. Dallas, as good as they are has a couple of pronounced weaknesses, right? You you can get at this defense outside of, of Haskinen, right? There, there are some guys you can attack that, not just guys you can attack, but there's some guys, Cough, Ryan, Suterkoff, not only can you attack them, but Dallas either has to or thinks they have to play them, right? So there's there's going to, when, when you're in a position where a, a team can game plan specifically against you, there are some angles of attack when you think about the Dallas defense and then the penalty problem, they've gotten a lot better. I think I saw they've managed to climb up to middle of the pack in terms of penalties against they've, they've cleaned up a lot of that, but you know, it could rear its ugly head later. And, and you know, this, this is a team that, like I said, they're, they're very good. 
it's it's certainly not panic button time, but thinking about a series, thinking about matchups, if you're a, if you're a, an opponent of the Dallas Stars, you're not, you know, you're staring at the whiteboard, you're not scratching your head thinking, god, how do I attack these guys, right? If you're staring at the whiteboard thinking, okay, if I can do these couple of things, right? If I can find a way to put pressure on on the defense not named Haskin and if I can find a way to attack with some speed if I can find a way to goad them in the penalties right there's there's some some clear paths that you can take now whether you can get there right whether whether you know Dallas cuz Dallas will also be adjusting right but there there's some some things you can do absolutely i i'm the, the season's kind of coming together here um and we have a couple of weeks here before the trade deadline. I think I'd be perfectly happy if we just stayed where we were. Um, if we're going to upgrade, I hope that we upgrade without uh, without doing any damage to the future because I think the, the future is even brighter than this year. Uh, it, there's no reason why this team can't be, you know, in the in the Stanley Cup mix for the next five, six, seven years. I mean, they've got one of those cores, right? You always talk about. Yeah. They've, they've got elite offensive player. They've got an elite offensive player. They've got a winger that, or sorry, a center that does absolutely everything. They've got the goalie. They've got the franchise defenseman. They've got secondary pieces. They've got veterans that are still pretty. They've, they've just got everything. They've got help on the way. Well, you're absolutely right. I look at it as layered cores. And, yeah. and one of the reasons why Nil has been successful, at least so far here, is he was able to take that, that, uh, you know, Sagan Ben core and transition it to the Miro and uh, and Robertson and Hints core. I mean, and even then before you see that, on the, we've, yeah. we've moved from the Jason Spets, you know, the the Spets of Ben Sagan era to the the Radulov Ben Sagan era to the yeah. Robertson Pavelski Hints era. Yeah, exactly. And 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 the horizon sitting out there with the Wyatt Johnston and Logan Stankoven oh, his- core. His and, pass and, on Jamie Ben's goal was oh my god! Oh, I mean Ben's Ben's yeah. finish was immaculate, but that pass is one of the it is one of those underrated. It it doesn't look as brilliant as it is. It's it looks so boring, but the ability to make that little chip pass in the space he had with the time he had and to put it in front of Jamie, but not too if he puts it too far in front, the goalie can get to it. Too far behind him, Jamie can't accept. Like the the. That again, it's sometimes it's really easy. You know, the, the it's a sauce through three defensemen and it lands flat. Like sometimes it's really easy to see the brilliance of a play, and may, maybe that one is. But for me, that was one of those underrated moments that just it takes your breath. Like that's that's something that's something a regular NHL offensive producer is going to be able to do. And, and the kid's a teenager. It's amazing. Yeah, I love it. Any anything else? Just gearing up. It's it's Dallas is now they've they've warmed up right gradually increasing difficulty. They they've got their warm ups in against Anaheim and Minnesota, and now now the big boys come to town. They've got real tough tangles with Tampa Bay and with the just crazy good Boston Bruins. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting weekend. Good good bunch of hockey coming up. I I did I did fall in love with something. I need to find a way to acquire a otter plushie. Oh my gosh! Everything auto related, I've I've fallen in love with. I agree. Uh, there there was a there was a picture on Twitter today, and I I am in need of one. I'm gonna I'll find a way. It'll show up, and then I'm gonna have to lock it away so the dogs don't think it's a place. <laughs> yeah, report report. We'll keep we'll keep regular updates on the search for the otter plushie. It's out there. It's, it's cute. I love it. He's a good guy. He's a good goaltender. They got the, the, It was it was nice to see a national coverage game and listen to them fawn over, justifiably fawn over the kids. So bright future, a couple of big showdown games. It'd be fantastic to to see Dallas prove their mettle and 
that's that's 200 podcasts in the bookmark any any closing words of wisdom beat boston beat boston love it well thank you for your insights kt for stitching it all together thanks for listening don't forget to download don't forget to like us don't forget to to follow us on all the socials and uh we will speak next time This podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal.